reach her for comment, you know, 110. I love the stuff. I still take them down. Nancy, not now. I'll be honest. I got one foot in the grave, but the mouth's still out. Nancy, wheel her out of here. I'll be back. Sunday evening. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Habituation Room podcast live stream to the people here present currently living in the moment to the people um, brushing their teeth who can't be alone. <laughs> Raise your hands. Huh? Anyone feel like silence is loneliness? Yeah, isn't that weird? Um, welcome. I am your host, Francesca Fiorentini. You've seen me on the thing and that other thing that one time that your friend shared and then you don't remember, but then you'll uh, approach me in a Vons and then I'll feel good for like a second and then I'll never see you again, sir. Where have you gone? Uh, we have such a good show today. I am super excited to have uh, comedian Gareth Reynolds of the Dollop Podcast. Uh, you might have heard of him. He's wonderful. He's going to be joining me for the hour very, very soon. Uh, and we're going to be talking about a lot of things. Um, Got to talk about Nancy Reagan. I'm sorry. I'm not above it, okay? Listen to another podcast if you don't want to talk about the Reagans and blowjobs, okay? that's It's just going to happen. It's going to happen. Give me this gift, my daily bread. I don't know what I'm saying. But anyway, um, in addition to some serious things, obviously, uh, tornadoes throughout this uh, the middle of the country and what Amazon is doing about it or not doing about it. Uh, and then for our sitch, we're going to be talking to two candidates for L.A. City Council. And even if you're not in L.A., this city is offering uh, an, a, a pretty interesting model for how to actually, you know, um, transform our current uh, sort of like rapidly gentrifying on fire hellscape. So, like, if you live in a rapidly gentrifying uh, hellscape, you might want to just stick around. And like talk to uh, Eunices Hernandez and Hugo Soto Martinez, who are both running for a city council. So I'm super excited to talk to them. Uh, and then remember, this show doesn't just span the time that the show spans. <laughs> There's more show after this. And in fact, Gareth and I are going to be breaking down what's going on with the great Santa shortage of 2021. All right. The labor shortage. Yes is hitting Father Christmas. And so I want to break it down. Got some good clips for y'all. Wondering why. I wonder if you guys know why. Why are there not enough Santas? Maybe it's time for Santas to be women. Mmm, triggered. Uh, so make sure to like the like button. And uh, if you don't have a like button on your phone, just lick your phone for me right now. That, that'll be great. And lick all five stars. Don't miss the fifth lick all the five stars on the podcast. Um, the reason I mentioned that bonus episode, see, I, I forget my train of thought is that in order to get that bonus, you're going to have to become a patron and that you can do very simply by going to patreon.com slash bituation room. You get access to all the exclusive content right down to your, to your little earbuds, uh, your little AirPods. Your, your little, you know, small 
cancer-causing machines in your ears. Uh, so do that, and you can listen, and you can watch live. Also, do you guys have your merch yet? This is this is are all the announcements. You need Frantifa swag, guys. Bituationroom.com is where you get that. And guess what? If you buy a piece of merch, take a photo of yourself with it, hashtag Frantifa swag, and post it on any of the social medias, maybe Facebook too. I don't know. I haven't been on Facebook in a while, but it's probably there too. I'm raffling off three of my favorite books. We Own the Future. I've got a chapter in it about stand-up and socialism. No big deal. Um, How to Change Everything by Naomi Klein. Revolution in the Air. So get your merch, guys. I, there's only been like eight or nine entries, which like that's fair. Like I'm not going to pretend like there need to be 600 entries, but like we can at least get to like 15, you know? So get your merch. It's going to be we're going to be closing, I believe, on December 25th. So it'll be like a New Year's present. So you have until December 25th to do that and to enter in. And there's again, there's going to be a lock of my cat's hair in the box. So don't miss out on that. Um, finally, remember, we're going to be at SF Sketchfest on January 9th with NATO Green and Black Lives Matter co-founder Alicia Garza. So get your tickets to that. It's going to be so super good. Uh, super fun. We're going to be at Piano Fight in the big room. Uh, that is Sunday, January 9th at 8 o'clock. Get them ticks, baby. Um, there's been some talk about moving the fart song earlier so for those of you who are upset by that uh i don't care to those of you who don't know what the fart song is get ready um but this is just to thank all of the people who have supported the show who are patrons at ten dollars or more who get this shout out um this is the fart song thank you to the big tippers There are no big tippers. I just read that because I'm frazzled. But you could be a big tipper if you tip on Venmo, TBR-Live, TBR-Live on Cash App. This is very fun. Uh, to the new patrons at 10 bucks or more, D-Rocky, David S., and Joseph L. Save that big part for you, Joseph. Thank you so much. And to the Twitch subs, Hippie's back. Thank you so much for resubscribing on Twitch. You guys do that. Give me some Bezos bucks. That's me just sort of reappropriating all of the billions. You know how many billions of dollars? In the fart song, Jeff Bezos is probably like $500 million richer just in this time. So why don't you become a Twitch subscriber and give me that money? Uh, and for everybody else, uh, I'll be waiting. But thank you to all the patrons, uh, anyone who gives anything. You're the best. Uh, and with that, let's get into it. What are you bitching about today? So I don't know if you've been following uh, the news, but uh, the House um, of Reps, Representatives, not, yeah, the House, they approved um, a National Defense Authorization Act worth $778 billion annual, one year. That's one year. Yeah, maybe there's a little bit of leftover spending. I don't know. But, and... And not only did they approve a giant package for the militaries and just spanning the globe, um, they approved $25 billion more than President Joe Biden even asked for. Now, $25 billion is sort of 
ringing in people's ears a little bit because it also happens to be the number, the amount that it would cost to get everyone in the world vaccinated, like like to get to a safe place of vaccinations, to be able to support, uh, as we talked about last week, labs in different countries to be able to produce their own vaccine without the patents. Um, $25 billion. So instead of directing that to actually keeping people safe, we just directed it to, I don't know, a $15 bottle of water. I'm not sure. What are we, what are we actually directing the money to when it comes to the military? What, what hot war are we involved in? What, what cold war should we know about that we're involved in? Well, well, here's one thing we're doing around the world in a lot of military bases. Um, Leaking jet fuel into water streams. So this is a week where we learned that uh, in Oahu, the Navy has been leaking jet fuel, has a jet fuel leak that's been leaking into the drinking water of Hawaiians, straight up. And they don't know how to stop it. They don't really know where it's coming from. And people are dying People's pets are dying. People's families are sick. People are are going, you know, and this has been months in the making. So it's it's an interesting week because it's emblematic of the kinds of sort of low-level atrocities that are happening in military bases, American military bases around the world, right? To say nothing of whether we need them, like the kinds of environmental and community devastation that they cause. Um Somehow we just keep on funneling money into that shit. Uh, So I'm bitching about the fact that, meanwhile, we've got the Build Back Better Act, which has been whittled down to $1.75 trillion, or I don't know, depending on which news outlet you look at, it's like it goes back and forth, it fluctuates, depending on, I don't know, what, what, I don't know, what the clothing budget for Kirsten Cinema is within that. But $1.75 trillion over 10 years over 10 years meanwhile the military industrial complex gets 778 billion in a year the things we could do you guys the things we could do so of course i'm bitching about that of course it's probably going to pass the senate um you know i understand that some house members try and slide in sort of more forward thinking um uh, proposals in this massive defense bill, but that never get passed. Uh, it's sad. It, it, every year, this is like the one thing that there's broad consensus on, and I'm waiting for Democrats to say no for once. But they don't. Some do. Some do. Not enough. Anyway, join me in this bitch fest. Um, and for it, I'm bringing in for the hour. He was a writer on Arrested Development and hosts the podcast, The Dollop, which is so fucking funny and good. Please welcome Mr. Gareth Reynolds. Hey, hello. Hello. Hi, Francesca. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Good. I'm good. I'm nice and I feel good after your bitch session. I feel like, (laughs) yeah. Hell yeah. We're back. Jet fuel water. When this Um, war that we're expecting happens, nobody's going to be more ready than us. (laughs) Uh, I, I haven't mentioned that I'm without producer. I don't know. There's like without producer is sort of a formal way to say it. So I'm like running all sure. the buttons and things myself. Sans deucer. Yeah. Sure. Sans deucer is what it's called. 
That's what I say after I use the restroom. I'm sans Yeah, that's the fart song. Yeah, that is the fart song. That's the band that does the fart song, the Sands Deucers. Yeah, they're great. No, it's it's Kevin McLeod, lest you forget, uh, the man who's donated all of his music to the internet. Um, good old yeah. Kevin McLeod uh, yeah. coming in. He does all my music. He doesn't know he does my music, but he does. Right, sure. He's a royalty-free king, you know? He is... He's a zaddy. He's a royalty-free zaddy. And That's nice. Yeah. He's a giver. He's a giver. He's a generous yeah. lover. Like the Pentagon. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, so, Gareth, you heard what I was bitching about. You don't, you don't have to match my obvious, you know, passion and fury and fire and fury. But, but what are you bitching about this evening? Uh, well, there's so much. I'm sure you have trouble, as you uh, suggested, whittling it down. By the way, your setup, even without even sans deuce, mm. your great setup. Whereas I just look like from the bunker. <laughs> I do have a you have a light a painting in my head above me. Um, wait, wait. Can you just but, please pan up sure. a, again? Sure, that, sure, gladly. Oh gladly. my god. Yeah, that's my regal beast. And, and here I am. It's a letdown. But um, so the, no, Gareth so just much. panned up for the audio listeners. Gareth just panned up to reveal a painting. Yes. Of his tuxedo cat. Yes. And I, I am the owner of a tuxedo cat. And so that's sort of why I reached out. I mean, I'm, I'm like a fan in quotation marks, but mostly I was like, right. Let me see that cat, Jose, you know? Yeah. Jose is the gateway. I get that. <laughs> OK, I apologize for interrupting. Yes. Tell me. And thank uh, you for the well, compliment. Yeah. I, I think that uh, I would narrow it down. Well, I'll go the other end of the spectrum, but I will say I think the extradition of Assange and the unbelievable uh, nature of how, you know, the, the way that Joe Biden continues to sort of replicate Trump and just gets away with it for reasons that I guess are, you know, uh, well, I understand them. But I would say this. In South Dakota, mm. they are having teachers do a thing called dash for cash okay where teachers basically get to make a you know instead of having like the um little you know pope mobile thing they put people in where the money is kind of going through a fan they've just kind of thrown money on the ground and teachers kind of go at it and get little uh you know like grabs of money and it's for them to use in the classroom Oh my! Okay, so you know when you're scrolling, better. The more you go into it, it just gets better with the details. I think. I mean, that's insane, and I feel I'm sad now. We're not covering it in detail because it was one of the things that I just like scrolled through on Twitter, and someone was like, "So there's capitalism for you," and I was like, "Yeah, people running and grabbing money. I would. That sounds. That looks great. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. You know, not everything is Squid Game. I didn't know they were teachers. Turns out everything is Squid Game. Turns out you're. Your gut was wrong. This is a, just a little South Dakota street squid game. The thing that's fucked up about that more than anything is that if that was your teacher and you were a shitty 12 year old, you know how much you would clown on them for like not uh, getting in there? Like, <laughs> yeah. It, like, like, oh my God, I could totally see Mr. Robinson's butt crack or whatever. Like, look at him. Yeah. Oh, he can't even look at his, his knees are fucking old. I don't know what they say. His well, knees are old. Yeah, it would be shit like that. I mean, you know, you're, you, but it's so, it's, you know, the humility, the level of humiliation that we're comfortable with, um, 
you know, it's just I even over my life, like finding out the teachers are paying out of pocket. Well, once we become comfortable with that, then we become we expect it. And it's like, you know, a thing that they no longer factor into the budget yes. to the point where it's like when, te- you know, people give teachers money for supplies. It is at the point where it's just like and now we are in the point where, it, you know, it's like, hey, we're doing you a favor, you know, <laughs> like. My God. Yeah. And if God forbid someone breaks their arm, they'll have no health care. So then they'll have to go to like the, you know, the health care oil ring where they wrestle for health care or something. They have look, they have summers off. OK, Garrett, there there's a True. long time to heal True. from your self-made tourniquet to recharge. Yep. That's what that's for. To When you, yep. you know, to heal from Need breaking vacation. your arm. <laughs> Not paid, but a vacation. <laughs> you get another job vacation. It's one of those. you're absolutely right about that. And that's disgusting. And uh, no, we need to not normalize that. Let's, let's start a call in campaign. Um, We got their other horrific, horrific slash fun things happened this week. So I, I, we want to get into it all. Um, Sure. This was the week where uh, Starbucks workers in one store in Buffalo, New York voted to form a union, which means mayor Byron Brown will be staging a writing campaign to overturn the results. A court ruled that Trump has to turn over documents to the House investigation into the events of January 6th, and you can bet they will not get them by the time he runs for president in 2024. Human rights attorney Stephen Donzinger was released from prison earlier this week and will serve the rest of his six-month sentence from home uh, for the crime of handing the Chevron Corporation its ass and then not sharing with them how he did it. Like, he's not going to tell you how he beat you. Um, the Finnish prime minister, this is all I wrote because I forgot to write the end of this joke. The Finnish prime minister is wonderful. She went out clubbing. Oh, yeah. And I saw that. Forgot Party. that. Yeah. She's like, yeah. She was, it was like a COVID. She like she was like a teenager ignoring like, hey, go get tested. But she's the prime minister. Yeah. It's like, let her let her yeah. be. Let her Listen, live her goddamn I, life. She's 36. Yeah. She's 36. Made me feel good. Made me feel old because I was like, man, I do not do. I'm like a little bit removed from her age, but I haven't been the prime minister of a country once. Oh, I've been the prime minister of two to three nations recently, (laughs) too. I love it. I do actually. Normally, I'm sort of like I do a teacher's schedule. Summers, I just go somewhere and prime minister for most of it. It's really just clubbing in Finland. Um, Oh, yeah. It's a lot of that. It's a lot of that. A lot of Euro trash. Um, The Supreme Court has upheld a Texas bill that would continue to allow anyone to sue abortion providers, which in response, California Governor Gavin Newsom has said his office will try and introduce a similar bill in California to stop assault weapon sales by allowing people to sue gun manufacturers, to which he then added, and I'll be the first to be held accountable for manufacturing these bad boys as he took off his shirt and flexed directly into the camera. That didn't happen, but like you can definitely imagine it happening. Um, I actually read it did happen. I think we should sue Gavin Newsom for manufacturing them guns, baby. Uh, <laughs> for everything else, this is the week where. So this was the week where tornadoes ripped across six states, killing at least 100 people with hundreds more unaccounted for. Uh, The hardest hit state was Kentucky, where a tornado leveled a candle factory that had 100 people working inside, um, 80 of whom are still unaccounted for. Um, But all eyes are on a different corporation and their negligence. And that is Amazon, because a tornado hit a small town of Edwardsville in Illinois and also collapsed an Amazon warehouse that killed at least 
six employees. The actual number is not known um, in part because the company will not say how many people were in the factory at the time. Um, so this is from the AP. The company has not said how many people were in the building not far from St. Louis when the tornado hit at 8.35 p.m. Friday, part of a swarm of twisters across the Midwest and the South that leveled entire communities. Authorities didn't say they didn't have a full count of employees because it was during a shift change and there were several part-time employees. What? We don't count them as full employees. See, four employees equals one human being uh, when it's part time. So uh, our official count is not in. No. Okay. So they there was a press conference, right? There was a the fire chief officials of Edwardsville came out to talk about this, the collapse of this warehouse. You know who wasn't there? Um, Amazon or anyone from Amazon. So let's listen to the fire chief explain what happened to that warehouse building. There's about 150 yards of the building uh, that were impacted by the tornado. Uh, the walls on both sides of the building collapsed inward. Uh, the roof of the building collapsed downward. So um, most of the weight of the building la landed uh, centrally into the building. Uh, these walls are made out of 11-inch uh, thick concrete. A lot of weight. And they're about 40 down. feet tall. Again, so a lot of weight from that came down. Maybe Amazon should be explaining. Instead, um, Amazon's on Twitter, specifically the CEO is on Twitter, David Clark. He's doing all that he can. He tweeted this, Gareth. We are deeply saddened by the news that members of our Amazon family. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Honestly, yeah. That's when they're part of a family when they're gone. But passed away as a result of the storm in Edwardsville, Illinois. Our thoughts and prayers are with the victims, their loved ones, and everyone who's been impacted by the storm's path across the U.S. How, how is it even possible at this point? Like, at this point, saying thoughts and prayers is like wearing Ed Hardy. It's just <laughs> like, look, even if you like it and you think it's effective in some way, it has now lost all – it now lo no longer has any actual resonance as to what it actually means because it is such a – vacuous simple you know it's the easiest thing to do is be like whoops yeah our bad you know no I, when i saw that i was immediately like just don't say thoughts and prayers like anything yeah. else condolences hearts go out but like that particular phrase means and i will do nothing about it yeah. and i honestly don't care um now more about david clark there's a few things you need to know about him because maybe you're like, whatever, that just that seems what is he going to say? What is he going to say? Mm -hmm. So David Clark might not be against some of the business practices that could have led to this event or at least preventing the worst of this. Because remember or not remember, we got to know that these Amazon employees were told to go to work. And it is not clear if they had access to their phones. Uh, it is not clear if they were told that there was an earth, uh, excuse me, a tornado in their in their path that they were it was headed right for the warehouse. It's not told whether they were told to evacuate or that Amazon was doing anything to keep them safe. And mind you, there's like rules against having your phone on you. There's rules against being late. There's rules against, um, you know, if you miss a day because you're afraid. The bathroom. Exactly. There's rules against going to the bathroom or you're afraid you might get, you know. Uh, blown away by a tornado, that's like, mm, no, it's coming out of your paycheck, bro. 
So does how does David Clark feel about this? Well, David Clark used to be known as the sniper oh, of Amazon. <laughs> oh, good. That's good. It's always good. It's a cute nickname. No, but like a like a in a good way, sniper. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that one of those positive ones that always come to mind. <laughs> So th- shortly after being named Amazon's global logistics chief in 2013, David Clark held a conference call with his new reports. During the meet and greet, according to a person on the call, Clark described his early career habit of lurking in the shadows of Amazon warehouses and scoping out slackers he could fire, which earned him the nickname The Sniper. Wow. Ugh. To be the sniper at Amazon, I mean, it's such a low bar. <laughs> For Amazon to be like, here's our asshole. It's like, whoa, this guy is a king among men. <laughs> they made all hail. Yeah. <laughs> so they made him CEO, right? Like, you just have yeah, to be the course. biggest piece of shit. Now, yeah. see, John isn't lurking the way we'd need him to lurk. Yeah, no, you've got. Well, then you have the lurk squad. It's like, hey, we're actually lurking the lurkers. <laughs> we believe in lurker rights. <laughs> uh. So, okay, so this was his tweet, and and people replied to him. And one of the people who replied to him was, in fact, an Amazon employee. Uh, Not in St. Louis, but in Kentucky. This is Leslie Campbell saying, I'm an Amazon worker in Kentucky. Tornado hit two miles from my house, and I physically couldn't get to work for my shift. The ERC team, which is like the employment something something, basically where uh, workers call to be like, this is what my my situation is. the ERC team told me that they had no record of tornadoes in Kentucky and couldn't oh help God. me with not getting attendance time reduced for today. I, I mean, th- like I, there are alarms going off in a way where it's just like this company needs to be stopped. It's it's just how are we just sitting around like uh, ordering from Amazon? I mean, it's because. Yeah. It's because, like, where else am I going to buy toilet paper? A store? Are you it's insane? True. It's true. I didn't know they still had those. A friend of mine told me he saw a store the other day, and I said, those are. That's crazy. <laughs> Have you ever been into an Amazon store? I, I've... No, I refuse to. <laughs> I went, okay, one time I bought something on Amazon. Just once, maybe more than once. But mm-hmm. this one time, sure. oh, I don't frequent it, but I had to return it at an Amazon store, and it was the most dystopian. Like Ugh. I felt like they were like selling actual mom and pops. Like like they had like they were they were like the taxidermy souls. mom and pops. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be like this is who used to own this storefront. Now it's yeah. you know whatever Amazon brick Everything. brick and mortar, whatever the fuck they call themselves. Yeah, they sell brick and mortar. <laughs> Um, it's ERC is the Employment Employee Resource Center. Um, David Clark definitely responded to that tweet, uh, and he was oh, he was yeah. like, "Sorry, oh my god, what he did? He did. What? He said, "Sorry, Leslie, oh, I shared with the team, what? and we will get it fixed for you all." What fix? What are you? I mean, just so like the. I mean, he's not even filling the tweet. Give it like another line or two. You know what I mean? Get to like 130 characters. This is one sentence. He's like, sorry, I'm playing polo. I don't have time to respond to the plebe. Here, here. Give her 40 letters. Screw it. <laughs> uh, so bad. Okay, so the, just there's someone. So, okay, this is what happened in the past. Now, we're going forward this next week, what's going to happen to folks in the area who, who work at the warehouse? Um. 
apparently they're being asked to go back to work. So this is from someone on Facebook named Stefan Jones, who says, I'm on the phone with the Amazon ERC, the Employee Resource Center. My apologies. And they're telling me I'll be marked as missed shift, even though the state police just told me to go home. Then he got the nerve to get smart with me and say if I wanted the points removed. Because remember, they're all on like a childlike yeah. point system. They're, th- that's the way Amazon workers have to survive. Um, and then I need to go back to the site and speak to HR. There is no HR management office. It's buried. And the building is surrounded by emergency management and cops. All I know is that he keeps on going on. He's I just... So let's just look at what he's talking about. Okay, what's the building look like? How, how's how's it doing? Oh, there it is. Oh, that's fine. I mean, that's fine. you can see HR from. Yeah, is, is it that? It's all HR in a way. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just it's. Uh, yeah, I mean it. It's so unchecked that it it just doesn't matter. I don't know how we continue to just live with this festering nightmare that's just this this wave will crest at some point i mean look at that like <laughs> why were you late for work well there were 1800 cops i'm sorry it's two points off <laughs> straight we up. also read you went to the bathroom last week which we're gonna need to talk to you about that is out of line uh well i i pissed myself when the tornado was coming at me now well that's why we that's why we give you the diaper cut <laughs> you can have the we have diapers. We go to the diapy bin. Uh, it's so unfunny, but it is. You make it somewhat bearable, Gareth. Yeah. So this is, you know, again, there's nothing they can do to prevent the tornado, but everything they could have done to prevent the loss of life. Um, we don't know. Well, let's not get into the candle factory because I have, I have thoughts about like the candle factory or just like what the f- 80 people missing. Oh, my God. It's a mass casualty event. But anyway. Amazon, uh, which totally has the money to be like, hey, take the day off. Take two days off. You're fine. We're fine. That nothing, we're we're going to be A-OK if y'all don't come to work because there's a tornado coming. Um, and just no, no, no remorse and no sort of like no understanding for how people who've lost their loved ones, co-workers, people who are literally being taken out of rubble. Remember, six people allegedly, but who knows? I can't imagine if there's six people dead in an Amazon warehouse that looks like that complete rubble. Like, uh, were they moving out of the warehouse? Are they shutting? Were they shutting that one down? Because I don't think only fucking six people work in a giant Amazon warehouse. We just don't know. I mean, it, you know, it's like it's like how Tyson Foods, like you can't see into their farming houses because they they do not want you to know what is actually taking place in there. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is at the point where, you know, the even our government still at least gives us the performative nature of thoughts and prayers or they wear, you know, they wear some sort of clothing that, you know what I mean? Like there there's all, there's the prayer. There's it's all performative bullshit. Yeah. But they at least know how to pull it off. This is just you can just tell the coldness that exists inside of this company based on the reaction. It's complete. There's not an iota of sympathy. Yeah. And no, we're going to investigate know. or we understand or anything. No, no, no. It's like be on time, be earlier tomorrow. It's straight up Scrooge yeah. behavior. Yeah, it is. It. It. I mean, and, and honestly, it's 
I don't know how you put the genie back in the bottle when it comes to the amount of power and influence that that they have over the government at this point. I mean, nationalize it. All right, let's let's move on. Um, <laughs> we got to burn through this next story, but really we could spend three hours on it because um, this was the week where we learned that the woman who just said no actually said yes quite a bit. Uh Nancy Reagan, the former first lady whose zero tolerance campaign against drugs fueled a culture war that helped lock up thousands of Americans, apparently had a very high tolerance for gagging. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, th- that's right. Uh, Nancy Reagan has been outed once again, actually. She's been outed once. Now she's outed again as a fellatio enthusiast, a BJDJ, if you will, a top wop is what I'm calling it. And I can say that because I'm Italian. Um, Here's my question, Gareth. Imagine sucking that much dick and like never being high for it. That's gotta be tough. That's the drug. That's the drug. You need your fix. (laughs) That's what it is. It's it's the same as putting a needle in the arm. It's just a little more skin related. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Now you might be wondering, what the hell are you talking about, Francesca? How do you know all this? Well, the reason we know all this about Nancy's personal life is because Ben Shapiro's sister, yeah, they make more of them, um, Abby Shapiro, attempted to slut-shame Madonna for a recent photo that Madonna posted. So this is Shapiro uh, saying in a tweet, this is Madonna at 63. (laughs) This is Uh Nancy Reagan at 64. Trash living Uh versus classic living. Which version of yourself do you want to be? And it's Madonna, you know, scantily clad on a bed, and Nancy Reagan surrounded by, you know, all of her spawn who hate her um and you know in the mist in a countryside and so so that was the tweet fine Uh. normal culture war bullshit and then a few people started replying with this little nugget from this is from the village voice talking about an unofficial biography about nancy reagan's life uh written by uh, an author named kitty kelly According to Kitty Kelly's biography, Nancy Reagan was, quote, renowned in Hollywood for performing oral sex. Just say yes, Nancy. In the days when she was Nancy Davis, was known to give the best blowjobs in town. Quote, Mm -hmm. not only in the evening. Now that's me, by the way. I don't want (laughs) to jump in. Go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) That's that's crazy, dude. You snatched the crown. Well, let's. Yeah, I'm hoping I end up in the White House. Not only in the evenings, but in offices. That was one of the reasons she was popular on the MGM lot. It must have made her very popular with Ronnie as well, according to this writer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this is a little bit more. Um, Yeah, according to the book, this is one of the revelations of the biography. While pursuing an acting career before marriage, Mrs. Reagan had affairs with several men, including actor Robert Walker and a powerful MGM producer who got her an MGM contract in return for sexual favors. Wow, Nancy. Wow. See, it's it's humanizing to me. It's like, oh, she's like us. She's just <laughs> like us. Nancy, she's just like us. But that tweet <gasps> with the Madonna Nancy thing is the greatest layup ever. It's it's also the idea that, um, you know, Okay, so Madonna made music that was provocative, in your opinion. Nancy Reagan was, like, dictating the policy of the country to a man whose brain left him, like, eight years prior. <laughs> like, which one is a more dangerous thing for us to go through? I think the legacy-wise, I mean, oh. Yeah, like, it just just very much like, break the strike. 
Send in the scabs, Ronnie. Yeah. Well, we're going to send in scabs, and then I get my dick sucked. What? <laughs> oh, I didn't understand. I get my dick sucked later. It'll be great. Ronnie, not now. <laughs> oh. The scabs are on my dick? What? Uh-huh. This is, okay, so the, it would, this has also been corroborated, because I was trying to find, you know, not a lot of serious journalists are reporting about this um, to their own detriment, let's be real. Um and careers, but like mm-hmm. it has been apparently there's a a biography of actor Peter Lawford of the Rat Pack who corroborated that. Like, yeah, Nancy Davis went down a lot. And she got parts. Right. Yeah. Right. And and it wasn't Oh, bad. she got parts all right. Oh, she got them she parts. She got parts all right. Now, uh the internet is obviously having a pretty fucking amazing time with this. Um, she has been called Throatus. Mm, <laughs> which is very good uh but yep. this is my particular favorite tweet coming out of everything um quote ben shapiro's sister tried to slut shame madonna wow. and inadvertently caused all of twitter to learn that nancy reagan had a gluck luck 9000 america is back wow. baby wow wow yeah it's very good very good <laughs> that's from jl divitorio divitorio I was like, yeah, we did a we did a two parter on Reagan on the dollar uh-huh. with Pat Oswalt. And this is among the uh, a phenomenal deal. Like I as a journalist myself, I'm saying I can corroborate. Sure. As a journalist that uh, in my office. And you guys, did you guys touch cat. on this tidbit? Oh, we touched on it. We touched on it like Nancy would have. Absolutely. It got touched on. Oh, so I just love that. <laughs> like for like, there's no coming back from that. The right cannot come back from this detail that now we all know about and we will hold over you and all of your slut shaming bullshit forever and ever and ever. Your princess sucked a lot of dick. I can see them. Well, you put it like that. That's nice. (laughs) Uh, I can see them sort of using this and like spinning it into like it was a good contraceptive measure for someone who is pro-life, you know. (laughs) So I can see I see the ads now. Nancy Reagan, trailblazer. <laughs> yeah. And gluck, gluck, 9000. Gluck, Nancy Reagan, uh, just a purebred gluck, gluck, 9000. Yeah. Um, you know what I think? They, they Here's how they spin it. They spin it as like, you know, proof that the Me Too movement was made up because right. how many gluck, glucks are out there yeah. doing glucking the same part of the business it's part of the business it comes with the territory you shake the hands and you shake other things too (laughs) all right we have to move on and bring in our guests but but before we do uh a few comments kathy thank you thank you so much for the super chat thank you so much for the super chat um very appreciated uh fat guy named tiny on twitch bitching about i still want to see the department of defense and department of education trade budgets for one year just one just, I want to see uh, weapons contractors scrambling for cash. In the streets like teachers do for pencils for their students. Mm-hmm. Stanley1953 on Twitch. If you don't know how to stop the leak, then I think the engineer that designed the system should stand there with his finger on the leak till someone does. This is about, I think, the fuel the, leak in yeah. Oahu. Very Simpsons response and solution. I like mm-hmm. that. 
Um, the tornado Deathbird says it's not clear if they were told to shelter in a safe location or if there was even a safe location to shelter other than the bathroom. And we know how they feel about employees in the bathroom. Yeah. Andrew Martin, no pee breaks on your way to Oz. I think I get that. Wow. Yeah, I do too. Nancy Reagan, Jeff Curry says, on Nancy Reagan, Jeff Curry says, I could have went a long time without hearing about Nancy Reagan sucking off. Could you? Oh, stop it. Stop it. It completes the legacy. Full circle. I mean, it, it the is. The last part of the trilogy. It's a little bit of, I mean, I, I immediately looked up to see if she was dead. And it made me sad realizing she was because I was like, fuck. <laughs> you know, like, I want her to live. Reach her for comment. You know, 110. <laughs> I love this stuff. I still take them down. Nancy, not now. I'll be honest. I got one foot in the grave, but the mouth's still out. Nancy, <laughs> wheel her out of here. I'll be back. I've got a gluck, gluck. The internet <laughs> loves me. I'm Put relevant. Her, Quiet, Nancy. Put your hand over her mouth. Someone should have done that decades ago. <laughs> Gary Cooper in the 80s, I joked that Nancy Reagan was the brains behind Ronnie. That actually turned out to be true. Oh, I saw what you did. <laughs> All right, you guys. Um, I am super excited. And by you guys, I mean Gareth and the people listening. <laughs> I'm super excited to bring in um, for the sitch uh, two candidates for L.A. City Council, uh, progressive, um, backgrounds in organizing and uh, union organizing and grassroots organizing. Um, hey, how's that for a change? Uh, this is the sitch. And joining me, he was born and raised in South Central to street vendors from Mexico and has spent the last 15 years with Unite Here Local 11, organizing mostly immigrant women in the hotel industry to win higher wages, family health care and dignity on the job. He's brought uh, his union into community struggles, leading campaigns for immigration justice and against the crooked sheriff's department, especially after an alleged deputy gang member murdered Andres Guardado, the son of one of the workers, Hugo, organized into the union. And please welcome Hugo Soto Martinez. <laughs> Hola, Francesca. Hello, Gareth. Hola. Hello. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm enjoying your uh, your jokes. I, I'm just, I'm just having fun. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. You are not responsible for anything uh, that's been said on this podcast. Let it be yes, known. He yeah, he heard it. Yep. <laughs> he was. He he could have chosen to exit at any time. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I also want to bring in. Um, my next guest who's lived in Highland Park her entire life fighting with her family to keep her home on the front lines, keep their home on the front lines of gentrification. She watched her community suffer as L.A. divested from vital social programs to overstuff their police budgets, friends, family locked up for petty crimes like cannabis to clear them out of the neighborhood, allowing corporate landlords to swoop in and buy up the neighborhood. She went to school to become the police officer who would have helped her community, but learned that the system wouldn't allow it. So she changed the system. She got a job with the Drug Policy Alliance and helped undo horrifically excessive sentences, reuniting families. Uh, she led the charge to shut down one of the most corrupt county jails in the country and diverted money to community benefits. Most recently, she co-chaired Measure J, which won by double digits here in Los Angeles and reallocated a billion dollars from the carceral system and into programs that actually address the root causes of crime. Please welcome Eunices Hernandez. Hi, good evening. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, this is the first time we've had four people on the show at the same time. Yay. Hi, Garrett. Right. Hi, how are you? Good, nice. good. How you doing? Good, thank Wonderful. you. Wonderful. Ugo, you're running in District 13, 
right? And it's you're you running to unseat Mitch O'Farrell, who's become sort of infamous, especially in this pandemic, uh, for forcibly evicting an unhoused encampment in Echo Park, uh, which is in his district, and basically sort of creating this um I would say like heartless model for how to so-called clean up a city, um, which is relying on police, um, forcing people into housing, whether they want it or not, with a bunch of restrictions of all. Talk about sort of your run at his seat um, and and your vision for your district, as opposed to the vision that Mitch O'Farrell is kind of enacting right now. Yeah, people heard, right? It's like uh, cost the city millions of dollars and only housed four people. Only four people ended up in permanent permanent housing. And so, you know, we're trying to take uh, the lessons I've learned over the last 15 years, uh, you know, take an organizer's approach. That's about building deep relationships, bringing the community in, uh, you know, regardless of different opinions that you have. And actually just listening to people. It sounds so simple, right? But uh, you'd be surprised how much we hear that uh, just listening to the folks doing the work matters. And so, uh, you know, we're trying to bring that perspective and centering on work on, I always say this, but we have to center it with a lot of love, compassion, and wisdom. And so um, just trying to bring in the teachings that uh, I've learned at the union. Uh, it's been mostly uh, immigrant workers who have taught me these lessons. And so we're bringing them to City Hall. I mean, it must be hard because living in, and I, and Eunices, you're similar, living in districts that have rapidly changed and gentrified, you also have like a certain portion of residents who are like on next door complaining about people going through their trash and shit, you know? So how do you deal with that sort of um, more gentrified community and getting even the folks who are like middle income to upper middle income, like on your side? Hugo, you were talking. You want to go first? Um, I mean, yeah. So, you know, I've done a lot of work in the in the neighborhood council here uh, in Los Feliz. And, and, you know, and so there's a there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of tensions. And so I think, you know, and I've learned a lot. I'm going to be honest. You know, um, I come from a more, uh, uh, you know, different perspective than a lot of the folks that are, are trying to uh, protect their homes or their encampments. But what, what the, the truth is, is that we have to view this issue as who is who is the boss, right? And so a union organizer would say, who's the boss, right? Hmm. And so the boss is not those folks that are, you know, you know, trying to, to get rid of the home. They are not the, the enemy. That's who not, who is, that's not the people we are fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, we are fighting the, the system. We are fighting the roots and then the cause of this, right? It is, it is unfair that our city is short 500,000 affordable units in the city. It is unfair that the largest mental health institution of this city is the county jail, right? Uh, and so we got to really re- look at the root causes of what's causing. And we know that the number one cause of homelessness is financial hardship is because people cannot simply pay their rent. And the number second, the second issue is 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 a uh, it's addiction, and so that is we don't treat that with criminalization. We treat that the way the wealthy would treat anybody who who has this issue, and that's give them the medical treatment that they need. And so we are lacking resources, and and that's how we're going to look at it. We're going to look at the root causes of of these issues. Mm. And this is tell me about your district and how that plays out in terms of um, getting people excited about your campaign. Yes, thank you for that question. And so my ca- my uh, 
my district is a little, it's kind of broken up into an area that's been very developed, but that's come with a lot of displacement. And then there's an area that, you know, has had not a lot of investment that's actually been kind of uninvested in. And so it's like mm -hmm. balancing, like, how does that happen? How do we invest in the community that's been forgotten and thrown under the bus that literally, you know, as a council member, you have the power to decide, you know, what kind of zoning happens in your district. And when you think about um, like other communities, such as MacArthur Park, where they're, those parcels of land are being completely sold out for to start businesses. And sorry if you hear my parents really loud. But that's what we're battling in this district where we do have a part of the district that's that's on next door that's saying, why are there houseless encampments next to the farmer's market? But it's about really mm. questioning, really, what what are the root causes like, you know, Ugo was talking about? Because in, in L.A. City, people would think, yeah, we have a health department, but L.A. City does not have its own health department. The city relies on the county for services. You would think that, you know, there's plentiful drug treatment, that there's plentiful mental health services, but that doesn't, a system of care just doesn't exist in the city of L.A., barely exists mm -hmm. in the L.A. County, and we're building that up but that's I think one of the things that I'm having to balance is like a neighborhood where it's mostly immigrants where people are working hard there's so many empty buildings but it's being kind of sold out under them and then it's like Highland Park where it's already kind of taken over and we haven't been able to build like power against gentrification that's taken over here Mm hmm. And and you actually worked on Measure J which was a huge success I mean I think you know, around the country to some success and to uh, different degrees of success, people have been putting into practice this idea of defunding the police and refunding social services. And so Measure J, was it 10% of the discretionary funds redirected from police into um, health and human services? Um, to, how, I guess, tell me about that campaign and also like, you're talking exactly about something you would invest in, which is like um, mental health facilities for the entire county. Yes, thank you. So Measure J, that's a great question. I helped co-write co Measure J with some of my colleagues. And it really came about because we had been doing budget work at, in, at the like, county level, at the city level, um, at not, and at the state level. But we had not been successful. At the city level in LA, which I fully support the People's Budget LA work, you know, they had mm -hmm. been pushing that. At the county level, we had been pushing the Care First budget proposal. At the state level, we were pushing a budget to save life proposal. And what do I mean by that? I mean that literally we combed through these different ju jurisdictional budgets and said, look, at the LA County level, you're giving $2 million to criminalize parents for, for not being able to take their parents to school. Why are we not investing those $2 million in families to make sure that their kids can get to school? And we're paying right. at the LA County level, $1 million to house, uh, to, to, to incarcerate one young person in a probation camp for one year. We have, like, imagine Jesus. one young person. Imagine if we invested one million in all of our schools, at least. And so when we talk about Measure J, like, we have literally done the legwork of combing through these budgets because there's, it just goes under wraps. No one's paying attention to the budget process. When you think about it, who's a budget expert that, that you know of? And so Measure J was a, was a moment of, like, look, there's millions of people on the street. People have died. They've been taken because of police and state-sanctioned violence. What, do, what can we do in this moment to meet the needs? of the people who were by the thousands lining up for food banks, who were by the thousands owing thousands of dollars in rent and still owe thousands of dollars, our young people suffering, small businesses. We need alternatives to incarceration. So Measure J was like, 
this is our moment to push this policy to move money. Our goal was 10%. That's just the floor, not the, that like that, that's just the floor, not the ceiling. And so right now we got for the first year uh, at least $187 million uh, to go into the things that we really pushed for through Measure J, which is support for young people, reentry services, housing, support for reentry for women, uh, a lot of amazing things. And um, yeah, really, really proud. But you know, it was one of the things in Measure J was like law enforcement, the carceral system could not access that money. Yeah, absolutely. That you just put a little like one of those electrified fences around some money and a shock collar on uh, the police. Yes, I said it. Mm. Um, no, <laughs> uh, I got to ask you, Hugo and Eunice, the city council of L.A. is like rife with corruption there's like crazy amounts of corruption i was just doing i've only lived in the city for a few years but uh i learned about former council member mitchell englander who's serving a federal prison sentence for receiving bribes council member ridley ridley thomas supporting millions of dollars in public contracts for usc in exchange for getting a scholarship and paid professorship for his son the council member cedillo in your district Dionysus, who got a who's um his son, Sadio's son, got a job in a municipal water district, even though he had no experience in public administration. Like, do you guys want to how do you people who are working on the grassroots who've done actual really amazing work? The Like, this is such a corrupt body, not all, but it's like, how does that make you feel? And why? Why make a run at these seats and, and at city council? Yeah, I mean, it makes me incredibly angry. I mean, as a lifelong Angelino, you see, I mean, someone who is organized with immigrant women and dishwashers and cooks. And, you know, part of the organizing work that we do is we we visit them at their homes. We we get to know them very intimately, their kids. And we build these really deep relationships. And so you see the effects of, uh, of, a, of a very powerful person and, and, what, and how it affects a person's life, right? And so... You know, I'm very proud to say that that Ionisis and I are not taking any cop money, any fossil fuel money, any developer or corporate money, because neither of us are are working for them. We are working for the people. And I think one of the mantras that that I've learned in the union uh, when you organize is how how do you take a group of of workers and you defeat a corporation in order to win a union contract with wages and healthcare and all the benefits that you get with a union? And you, you do that by building power. Right, mm-hmm. you build enough power in the community where where you you can, you have more, collectively you have more power than the corporation. And so, um, our campaign is our slogan is community power because we're going to take an organizer's approach to the work that we do in the district. We're gonna we're gonna recruit people. We're gonna train them through the process because when we take that seat, we're taking it for them, and we're gonna build more power than the developers and the corporations that are currently funding the, the incumbent that I'm going against. Um, and so, and so that's the, you know, that's how I feel. And that's how we're going to change it. It's just take an organizer's approach uh, to, to, to city politics. Yeah. So in a way getting buy-in so the people actually, cause I feel like it's like, you know, this stuff happens under folks nose and that's cause we're so disconnected from our city council members and we're so uh, maybe even used to that kind of corruption on that level. Um, Onesis, what's, your vision for this city that is often on fire and uh, (laughs) full of traffic 
homeless population going up, folks uh, evicted from their homes. Obviously, we know, especially now with um, all kinds of things running out, whether it's uh, eviction moratoriums, you know, student loan uh, forgiveness back on, you know, or, or ending at the end of the year. Um, what What is your vision if you were to and if you're not on city council? Great. Thank you. So we're going to put it on the universe when I'm on city council, um, you know, what what the vision is. And I'd like to start off by just saying that I, I was going to be a cop and that I was going I got my bachelor's in criminal justice because that's what I thought that I was going to be. And then in, in during getting my degree, that's when it shifted where I'm like, I can't change the system. And so after school, you know, I struggled, but I ended up doing policy work. And but mm. a, my work is driven because of a lot of the lived experiences, right, that I saw growing up. And that's what dictates my policy. That's what dictates my values. I, I'm a values driven person in, in what my vision is. You know, when if, if the decision or policy that we're moving forward is going to leave someone behind, we're not doing it. If the policy or decision moving forward going to build something we have to destroy in the future, we're not doing it. If it's going to the decision or, you know, movement going to give more money and more power to the systems that we're trying to dismantle, then we're not doing it. And that really causes and it challenges us to find alternate, you know, solutions that we can implement. And so my vision of an LA city is that there's one housing for all. So implementing policies such as enforcing tenant protection and for and creating more permanent supportive housing. You know, Ugo mentioned mm -hmm. it earlier, you know, the most visible piece around someone being unhoused is, you know, perhaps their mental health or substance use, but really it's this financial economic drivers that are 60%. Lasa is saying 60% of people that are houseless right now are for financial reasons. What are we doing to stem this arterial bleed of people just not being able to afford the housing, right? And yeah. so housing for all. The second piece is uh, what I'm calling care, not cages. So when we have life, when we have, you know, mental health crises, crises of harm or violence, intimate partner violence, that we have life affirming responses. When you call the number, that it's not someone that shows up with a gun, but someone that really knows and has been educated and has dedicated their education to learning how to de-escalate situations. Just one example. And then the last piece is around budget accountability. Our budget mm. is billions and billions of dollars. When we talk about the general fund, that is money that could go to anything and it's billions of dollars worth. Why are, why are we not deciding through a democratic process how, what that money goes to if we're the one paying taxes? When you pay your property taxes, when you go to the store, all of that should be our choices. So for me, it's an LA city where we can all plug into these pieces where there's everybody's house, where our money goes to what we want and where the responses to our most like hard times crises are life affirming. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love it. Um damn. Damn. Pretty good, I'd say. You guys seem to be pretty good with answers. <laughs> well, we've tried to trick them. I don't know. Gareth, you got a good gotcha question? <laughs> well, can I just say that it's amazing that, you know, because I do think when it comes to mental health and, you know, how we take care of people with uh mental health issues, it's fun to talk about Nancy Reagan and her status as the blowjob queen. Uh, when you because you think of the other side of that coin was Ronald Reagan was the one who was deciding to remove program after program, which were there. You know, it does. It wasn't that long ago mm. that there were places where where there was a differentiation between a quote unquote criminal and someone who needed mental health. Mm -hmm. And um, and my question is, how crazy is it that the things you you two are saying are so foreign that they've become such foreign ways of, of running when you are saying 
I am going to be there as an actual reflection of people. I mean, and and that message is almost difficult to get out. How 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 much of a hill is that to climb? You know, I I um I have a lot of hope. You know, because this has been, you know, over 50 years of concerted attacks, you know, neoliberal agendas, you know, against the working class. Uh, their first attack was to try to destroy the labor movement, because I, I, I still believe that is a, the best vehicle for, for larger systemic change. But, you know, in, in, Los, in Los Angeles, right, there's a lot happening. You know, the labor movement made a conscious decision to organize uh, undocumented workers in the in the late 80s. It was very concerted. Mm. And there was a lot of division in the labor movement whether we should even do that. And so I'm very happy that my union was one of those unions that said, no, we are going to organize undocumented workers because that is the, the incoming workers in the city. That has been going on for over 40 years, uh, about 40 years now. And so we've come to a point where the labor movement is is meeting Right. The movement that was started, uh, you know, I hate to give Bernie Sanders a lot of credit, but, but you know, that sort of sparked a lot of uh, flames in people. Right. The, and that and so you have a movement, a labor movement that is, is about 40 years mature with a, a, a budding, amazing grassroots organizing that's happening in the city. And so I think what Eonisis and I both represent is is a marriage of those two movements. And, and I think this is the first time that those two movements are coming together and I think we can be uh, the standard bearer for the country. I, I think there's a lot of progressive cities in, in, in the United States, but I think what we're doing in Los Angeles is absolutely, uh, you know, groundbreaking and we're going to set the standard. And hopefully, uh, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, having the SWAT team uh, be part of national policy, we're going to press progressive policies that we can transplant mm. to the rest of the country. I love that. And you can always give Bernie Sanders credit on this show um, that he it's T.O. Bernie. He deserves it. Um, I do want to ask you more about those barriers, like like who's which industries or people are you are your campaigns like kicking the hornet's nest of like what kind of like sort of like cash filled. Yeah, sort of yeah, a nest is getting up worried that you guys are running. Well, I mean, I think to start off is the budget piece. Because right now, although there's billions of dollars, um, you know, because it's been unwatched, many of these departments, particularly carceral departments such as law enforcement, have been sucking absorbent amounts of that budget. And so when we talk about, you know, funding the things we wish to see, which is access to supportive services, permanent supportive housing, and using our money to do it, it's going to require us to move some of those general funds. And I expect that folks will, be not, will, not, will not be happy about that. But what folks have to understand is that there are ways that we can actually transfer jobs out of this system of harm into mm-hmm. the supportive system. You know, during the, uh, in the environmental justice space, they have something called a just transition, transferring like oil, dirty jobs, you know, to clean energy jobs. Same with the carceral system. You know, we our goal at the county level through the coalition I work with at Justice LA or that I'm a part of, we've been trying to close down Men's Central Jail. If we close down that, you know, when we close that jail down, we can we want to push to transfer those jobs into building out this alternate system of care. And so I feel like law enforcement, special interest groups, uh, you know, perhaps other unions. But I think what yeah. Measure J has proven is that there's a way where we can marriage that, where we can have that, you know, that, you know, collaborative partnership relationship to really get to what community needs. Because even right now, labor is a part of, you know, the me- implementation of Measure J. So I'm, I'm hopeful and, you know, Ugo's part of the labor movement, but, you know, pushing to close down jails to invest in community has not been something that everybody's super down for. Mm. 
Um, okay, one last question because we got to move on to our final segment. But I do want to ask you about Mayor Garcetti, who is leaving office at the end of next year and is going to be the ambassador to India because he does yoga or something like I really want to know what that fucking conversation was like with him on the phone with like Biden it was like um do you know what a downward dog is like what what the fuck like like what was it um anyway uh so Garcetti's leaving we will have an, an election um and we've got on the one hand a guy named Rick Caruso who owns a mall here called the Grove um, who wants to run for mayor. And then we've got it's a very diverse mall for people who don't <laughs> uh, pay attention to LA. Yeah. Very diverse. There's like a Claire's accessories and a hot topic. That's right. Exactly. JK. It's and got neither of those things. I think <laughs> way, way too working class for, for the Grove. Um, so yeah. this dude wants to run. There's a number of people, but also representative Karen Bass, who's the former uh, chair of the congressional progressive black caucus or the congressional black caucus. Um, also, who's seen as a front runner? Any any thoughts on this mayoral race coming up? Yes, real quick, and who I'll, I'll pass it to you. But I've heard a few of the candidates speak, and I really think that they need to get their ish together. I think that candidates are jaded AF, right? Like they're tired of these promises, but there's clear policies, clear recommendations of what they could do to address houselessness without criminalizing folks, without sweeping them, without sweeping encampments. And so for me, who, who's at least paying attention and a voter, mm. like I need mm. them to step up on, on, on speaking more than just these platitudes of like empty words and like, no, what are the solutions? I want to hear, are you just going to sweep encampments or what are you really going to do? Because there are just too many clear examples of what the alternates are to really support you know, humanize folks and support them rather than just what the, you know, what, what people are doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, w I would add, um, you know, uh, get involved, pay attention, do the work. Um, this is the first time that our mayoral race are lined up with the federal elections. And when Eric Garcetti got reelected, he got reelected with 20% voter turnout. So voter turnout is going to be in the 60. Yeah. 20% is ridiculous. Is going to be in the 60, 70 percent. And I would and I would say that the the soul of our city is at stake. Um, mm -hmm. We have rising fascist wing, uh, you know, that's that is emerging here and they're using the homeless as a scapegoat. And then you have folks like Onisis and I who are who are bringing, uh, you know, these values of love and compassion in the community. And so we're going to win out if, if, if people like us win. Um, it's going to be a, a new direction for the city. And um so, yeah, get involved, pay attention. You got to do the work. Democracy is not a spectator sport. Hell yeah. Um, thank you both for being on. And how can we get involved or find out more about your campaign? Eunices. Yes. What's that website? Website is my name.com, <laughs> E-U-N-I-S-S.com. Follow me on Twitter. We need volunteers. We need a, you know you all to donate. If you want to host a fundraiser, let me know. There's a huge reporting deadline at the end of December. And so we need as many people to plug in. And we're a part of the matching funds program. So if you live in LA, anything you donate between 100, anything below $114, uh, $114 is matched by the city times six. So yes, please plug in, donate. Thank you. Oh, shit. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Everybody and, donate. And Ugo. Yeah. Our website is uh, Ugo. Uh, it's H-U-G-O. Uh, the H is silent. Uh, 2022.com. Our handles on social media is Ugo for CD13. Likewise, uh, that's where you can donate, volunteer, 
you know, we're not taking any any conflicted money. So we're doing this 100% grassroots. Amazing. Thank you guys both so much. And will you stay for our very final fun segment? I promise. I certainly will. Yes. (laughs) This was uh, great because I was like, you guys are going to have to throw down. Let's see what you got on this. Let's see what I got on this. We, I want to ask, have you guys heard about this new movement called Birds Aren't Real? Um, So there is a fake conspiracy theory created by a one a 19 year old who's now 23 um called birds aren't real and he is kind of my hero drives around in a van that says birds aren't real also says things like birds charge on power lines which is so funny i wish i would have thought of it and it skewers sort of the world that we live in now how toxic and ridiculous um conspiracy theories like QAnon, et cetera, are and how people will believe literally anything. Um, but I want to know what is your conspiracy theory? If you had to choose one that like is fake that you want to lead people, this is like, you're the, you know, you're the head of it. You, you drive around in a white van with these words on it. What would it be? What is your fake? And everyone in the comments, what's your fake conspiracy theory? Let me know. Um, who wants to go first? Oh, I will. Thanks. <laughs> um, so I think that I want to start the conspiracy theory that pumpkin spice um, was invented by Black Lives Matter. And when you drink a pumpkin spice latte, um, you are critical race theory. Like you become you like all you download all like every bell hooks book and every Toni Morrison novel, like just into your brain, in which case I would drink the fuck out of pumpkin spice. Um, but I love, I, that's what I want to spread. The other theory uh, I would like to spread uh, is that speed bumps are actually Clinton victims that have been uh, paved over. Hmm. That's the Clinton body count, dude. <sighs> and you just, you, Yeah. Gareth, would you join there's my movement? Enough. There's there, absolutely there's enough. The Clintons have uh, have well actually <laughs> have killed thousands and thousands of people, but you we only focus on the few that uh, you know we know they had a direct hand in. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, but their policies, I do believe, would give you the speed bump. Well, that's why need. there's so many speed bumps, though. Yeah, it would like honestly, Haiti, I think the country of street, Haiti. Is... Every street would just be like potholes. <laughs> Haiti's full of speed bumps because the Clintons and everything they did there. Um, What are, okay, Elnisis, what's your fake, uh, your fake conspiracy theory like birds aren't real? Mine would be that the COVID-19 vaccination, the the vaccine actually ups your chances of winning the lottery. Ooh. <laughs> in Ohio, it sort of did. Yeah, it, it did. Right? I mean, that's, that's exactly. That's, that really shows you the, the squid game of the vaccine that was happening. <laughs> didn't didn't we everywhere try to do that? Like Newsom was pulling names out of a fucking Powerball yeah. situation. Yeah. Newsom was like single payer. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Whoop, whoopsie, I forgot. Uh, uh, the vaccine makes you forget promises. Yeah. That's what happened to Newsom. Ugo, your your fake conspiracy. Birds aren't real. Well, I I brought two. Uh, one is uh, the dogs created uh, COVID because they want 
their humans to stay at home because if anybody has a dog knows that they just mm-hmm. it's like the saddest thing they don't want you to leave the home so that they, the dogs, dogs carried covid that is I, that is very believable. Yeah. And, and my second one would be, because, you know, I'm a too big Tupac fan, is Tupac was always a hologram. Uh, <laughs> <and> so, <laughs> I always thought about that Coachella where they did the, hologram. the Tupac hologram. Because, you know, if you're at Coachella, you're probably partaking in some sort of intoxicant. <laughs> That's off record. Some sort of intoxicant. But... I, if I was there, there is no doubt in my mind I would have left the show thinking Tupac was still around. And like two days later, someone would have been like, yeah, the hologram. And I'd be like, hologram? <laughs> I just saw him. I have one more that came up for me. Yeah. COVID, the COVID-19 vaccine gets rid of erectile dysfunction. <laughs> I mean, we know getting COVID can lead to erectile dysfunction. So basically that is real. Yes. Oh, um, my goodness. <laughs> They've found COVID point, in the penile tissue. I just wanted to say penile tissue. That was really <laughs> an excuse. Nancy Reagan actually found a bunch. <laughs> you tried to get it all out. She was real. Yeah. She was like, you're clean, Ronnie. He was like, oh, right. <laughs> Off to my office. That's the bathroom. <laughs> Gareth, what is your birds aren't real fake conspiracy theory? There you go. Planes are trains. <laughs> So that whenever you get on a plane, they're doing some <laughs> bullshit where you got your little pinhole window. That's a backdrop of some sort. And you're just taking bullet trains places. But we want to believe that we're flying. But in reality, we're just on trains. <laughs> really, I mean, it makes really no good. sense, man. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Potato, Bacon, and Egg and Cheese, great name, says Air Trains. Air Trains. Air trains. Bingo. Plane, but, but planes are trains looks like that's i would put that on a white van <laughs> planes are trains, planes are trains. Yeah, people like, what, what do you mean there's actually <laughs> um there's paid actors who just go whoosh. yeah they make yeah. a <laughs> Sorry. yeah no and then they put you in a little turbulence thing and some actor up front's like all right everybody hold on for a second sorry we're hitting an air pocket mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I would love that. Actually, I should remember that when we hit air pockets so I don't get nervous. Be like, oh my God, planes are just trains. <laughs> just whisper that to the person. Nick. Don't be worried. These are trains. <laughs> you want another beer, my man? Or- <laughs> <laughs> planes are trains. Don't worry. <laughs> Slip him a card. Uh, all right. Um, Hugo Soto Martinez, Eunices Hernandez, thank you so much for being on. You guys are wonderful. A pleasure. Everybody go to their websites. Check them out. Uh, you know, donate and donate your time, your money, whatever you can give. And if you're not in L.A., pst, don't. I mean, can you accept out of state? Yes. Can all we do of some it. dark money yeah. shit? No. Hell yeah. No, not <laughs> no, dark no, money. No, no, no. <laughs> community money, but we'll take community money from New York. We'll take community okay. from Delaware. All the community money. <laughs> Sounds good. Especially <laughs> especially it's worth more um all right you guys be so well thank you so much take good care and gareth how can people find your awesome work and watch you live well you can go to uh my social media is at reynolds gareth on instagram and twitter and maybe tiktok i am on there i'm not sure if i'm on there but uh it's my planes or trains i don't know if i'm actually i don't even believe in tiktok man (laughs) um 
and then uh, you can go to GarethReynolds.com for uh, stand-up dates. I tour a lot. And then you can go to DollopPodcast.com for dollop dates. We have a live virtual dollop if people want to check out a live yeah. event uh, a week this Thursday, at uh, which is the 16th. Amazing. So, yeah, but go to my social media. And thank you so much for having me. This was oh great. Oh, my God. Thanks for being on. But uh... With no producer, you do a great job. I know you're probably like, you think there were some snags but there were some clinton speed bumps but i thought it was actually <laughs> great so there's much. high production value all right stop wasting your breath because we've got more uh for patron only um gareth gareth i'm watching it dawn on him that he's got to stick around to talk about santa <laughs> i'm very excited uh patreon.com slash room to see more of gareth or see him live or listen and watch the dollop live um thanks so much gareth take good care thank you and thank you, everybody who's been in the chat, who's been around, who's given a super chat. Kathy, Dave, Kayo, to the Twitch subs, Aussie Plant the Hermit, Daisy Dragon, Kaylee Ope Dragon, Dean O'Boyer. Thank you guys so much for resubscribing or subscribing. Um, I'm, I'm digging your answers to all the conspiracy theories. Uh, bacon can make you fly. Good one. Um, although very much counter to every time space i don't know physics yeah that's the one um industrial arts denver co says money isn't real biggest conspiracy of them all Ooh. and final segment uh shane uh for the final segment this segment shade woodward says bbc porn was invented by the bbc channel and on that note I'm going to go Google BBC porn. Um, thank you guys so much for being here. To all the patrons, thank you to Maximilian Inhoff, to Ellie Hoffman, to Alexandra Ornes on the other side of these amazing comments. We stream every Sunday, 5, 8 Eastern on YouTube and Twitch. Next week, I've got Molly Jong Fast on for the hour. I'm super excited. So remember, guys, uh, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Bye. <laughs>